0: The Crane Podcast, episode 175, The Journey to Create a Brand That Stands Out with Catherine Hildner. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers just like you create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hello there Thriver, it's Jess here and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I have an interview for you with the lovely Catherine Hildner of Kitty Meow Boutique and she's going to be talking a lot about her process, how she's done a big revamp of her business this year and the effect that's had on her and of course her business journey up to this point as well. We talk about uh, why she made the decision to hire a coach, a photographer and a website developer to bring her vision to life. We also talk a bit about uh, managing challenging customer interactions and challenging clients and uh, how you can deal with that eventuality, because let's be honest, Every single one of us is gonna come up against a challenging customer at some stage. And it's really important that we're prepared for how we're gonna deal with that ahead of time. Before we get started, have you got access to my 25 essential tips for running a handmade business yet? It's free downloadable ebook. Head on over to createandthrive.com, click on Start here, and you can get immediate access to that ebook of my 25 essential tips, plus a whole bunch of other resources in my free handmade biz toolkit, which is available exclusively to my email subscribers. So if you want to get your hands on that and find out what I think those 25 essential tips are from my 10 years running a successful handmade business. Head on over and grab yourself a copy of that right now. And let's get started with today's interview. Hey, Catherine, welcome to the show. Hello, Jess. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today about your journey and your lovely business. Uh, First of all, Kitty Meow, how did this name come about? Because my my immediate theory was that your name is Catherine, i.e. Cat, and that had something to do with it, but I could be totally wrong. Uh, no,
1: it definitely does, even though I guess I love cats. I'm more of a dog person, but I don't know if you ever had an AOL instant messenger screen name back in the day. Like, oh, yes. That kind of ages me, but um, <laughs> in college, my screen name was uh, Kitty Meow 1124, and I don't know. I, I had an art project where we had to create some type of packaging, and I just pulled the the name Kitty Meow from from that silly AOL instant screen messenger name and it kind of stuck. And I said, Hey, if I ever have a, a business one day, I'm going to call it kitty meow. It's this perfect kind of juxtaposition of me trying to be fancy, but silly at the same time. And I say it's my alter ego because normally I'm kind of an introvert, but mm-hmm. kidding out person lets me be a little out there.
0: i love that hilariously my business name also kind of developed as a like a screen name an avatar name Uh, back in the day back in the early 2000s before i turned it into a business name so there you go we're probably not the only ones bring it
1: back bring back
0: (laughs) so and i love that you say that because your your brand has the kind of sweet and sassy or sweet and witty sort of elements to it did that sort of develop organically
1: uh, yeah, it was kind of this internal struggle of, you know, when I'm really was honing in on rebranding, I did a whole bunch of rebranding in my business last year, but I kind of was struggling with the fact of, you know, sometimes I'm sweet, but sometimes I'm a little rude and inappropriate and how can I just pick just one and commit to it. And, you know, talking with my business coach, we decided that, hey, you know, you don't need to be one thing. You can do both. So on the Kidding Me Out website, you can shop based on your mood. If you're feeling witty, you can shop my witty designs. And if you're feeling sweet, you can shop some more sweet sentiments. So I like that. I like to
0: either just be totally
1: rude or just totally sweet. I can just be myself because I'm a combination of both.
0: I like that. I think that's really good that you can just embrace that. And so you make paper goods. How did that come about
1: well, um, I went to college or university for uh, graphic design, and when I graduated from Northern Illinois University, I packed up my car and drove to Las Vegas. Wow! <laughs> I had some family that lived there, and I thought it would be a great place to, you know, get into advertising and use my design degree. I Got a job right off the bat working for some of Vegas's biggest hotels and nightlife, pool parties, so it was a really awesome place to work in my early 20s, and yeah, but I just got to a point where I wanted to branch off and do my own thing. I opened an Etsy shop, which I owe everything I have to Etsy, even <laughs> now I've Branched off. I still have my Etsy shop, but started with one lonely little baby shower invitation because I was too scared to put myself out there and create more listings than that. And yeah, I mean, once I kind of got over that hump of like, oh, people want to buy my stuff and I could actually do this and make money. And I worked both jobs, you know, in my design, graphic design career, and hustled on the side with my I shop for about a year until I said, okay, I'm done with this and I'm going to take the full course." And that was probably about 2012.
0: So I've been doing my own thing ever since. That's fantastic. And what has that felt like or meant to you just personally in your life and your lifestyle and, and creative fulfillment and all those sorts of things? Ah,
1: oh, it means so much. I definitely do not make as much money as I used to, not by any means, not yet. But Mm -hmm. I just love the feeling of creating something that brings someone else so much joy. And over the years, I've developed my own unique style that I think someone can look at my designs and say, oh, that's definitely a Kineo design. And Mm -hmm. even though that process took a while to get there, I mean... I love busting my butt and working so hard for myself and not that I didn't appreciate working hard for a bigger company and for someone else but I feel like I wake up in the morning and I'm making my dreams happen and I think that's a really powerful thing to say that you know you can do that and I mean you know
0: yes yes it is (laughs) absolutely and I I just love to when I'm talking with uh, you know, someone like yourself, I love to hear that because that thread really does run through all of us and all of our experiences and why we're doing this. Um, and it's, I think it's really heartening to people who are in the beginning stages to hear that, yeah, it's totally worth the hard work in the beginning. Oh, totally,
1: totally worth the hard work. And
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: and now it seems like the, the growing trend is everyone is a small business owner or entrepreneur, you know, people want more than just the daily grind and you know, sometimes it, it is a grind, but it's it's definitely a learning process, a learning curve. I honestly thought when I was done with college that I would be done learning, but I'm learning more (laughs) than I ever thought I signed up for, but it's been, it's been really awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's one thing I love about having a business is that you never you never stop learning. You know, you've always got to be moving forward and, and looking to new things to learn and experimenting with new ways of doing things. And I think that's really exciting personally, and that's one of the things I love about it. So, you've been doing this for a while now. Um, what would you say has been kind of one of the big, super successful? I call them fist pump moments in your creative career so far Ah,
1: I think that's a hard one um I think when you're talking to other people you're always saying celebrate the small victories and take time to you know really focus on the wins but if I'm being honest I have a tendency of just quickly celebrating a victory and then I'm like okay what's next
0: what's next (laughs) give me
1: something bigger (laughs) don't be like me uh, you really should take time to celebrate, you know, victories big and small. But I would have to say that with my whole rebranding of, you know, Kitty Meow this year, I spent a lot of time just going through that whole thought process. You know, I've. Like I said, I've been doing on my own since 2012 and it's now 2018 and I never took the time to actually sit down and say, Hey, this is what I want my business to look like, you know, from the outside. Yeah, that's not, that's not a good thing. I was Mm -hmm. kind of making it up as I went along and it was really nice to have a plan of attack and... Mm -hmm just a cohesive everything. So when I launched my new website this year, while I didn't design the actual website, I still created everything that went along with it, including my brand voice and copywriting. And I made so many new designs, so many cohesive designs, which was an area that I was lacking in before. And it's not like all these orders started you know, just flowing. And as soon as I launched, that would be, I'd be a liar if I told yeah. you how it went down. But just to be able to say that I put myself out to the world and this is who I am. And I feel so freaking proud about who that is that I'm putting out there to the universe. That was a huge win for me. And I wish it didn't take that long to get to this point, but all good things moving forward.
0: That's right. And I think most of us who start like you and I did with a side business, you know, we're so focused on the little elements of it that looking at the big picture can sometimes fall by the wayside. And there comes a point where I think we sort of wake up and go, oh, hang on a second. Maybe this needs a rebirth. Maybe this needs to be reassessed um, and kind of brought to the next level, so to speak. Is that sort of what happened with you?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that when I started really realizing that I was spending way too much time working in my business and not on my business, mm-hmm. that that's when things started to change because I always had tons of client orders and, you know, I do a lot of custom work. So a lot of stuff looks different and it's not exactly with my design aesthetics. Sometimes they just give the customer what they want as far as, you know, invitation or any kind of party details. But I was just spinning my wheels and spinning my wheels. But, you know, at the point where I said, okay, I'm going to work on my business and, you know, these are my core values and this is what I want things to look like from a physical level. That's when things really started to change for my business.
0: And I know you you invested at this point as well. So you had a, a coach and you, I assume, hired someone to do your website and all those sorts of things. Was that a scary thing to do? Were you ready?
1: I was definitely ready. I think when you're throwing money out the window,
0: (laughs) not (laughs) out the window, but when it's
1: going out like uh, faster than you can actually earn it, it's risky, but I felt that I had a clear vision of what I wanted to do. The investments that I was making in product photography and, you know, headshots, a coach, actual website, like all those things were important things that I needed to invest in if I wanted Mm -hmm. to take my brand to the next level. And yeah, I just kind of pulled the bandaid off and did it all at once. I have two little girls and my pregnancy brain when I'm pregnant is I sort of lose motivation for my business. And Mm -hmm. as soon as my second baby popped out, I was ready to rock and roll. So I felt like I had to make up for lost time and just... I like, I want to do big things. So sometimes you need to spend the money to make money
0: as cliche as that sounds. Yep. It's absolutely true. Absolutely. So one thing that you mentioned, um, in our previous conversations that I'd like to talk about a bit more is, um, customer service. Yes. Cause you say customer service is queen and I totally agree. I think excellent customer service can make a huge difference to your business. Before we dive right into that, my, I just want to clarify, you have pre-made designs and you also do client work. What would you say is the kind of split between those two things in your business? Like how much time or money, you know, each one brings in?
1: Um, I probably get the most amount of money from my custom work. It's still invitations and... But I just, I charge a custom design fee, so pay the regular fee for printing and paper and cutting and all that jazz, but then they'll pay a custom design fee on top of it. And usually people who want custom stuff, they want additional paper items to go with it. And then I also have a greeting card line and stuff that I do specifically for wholesale.
0: Okay, cool. So what would you feel, what is your kind of approach to customer service, dealing with all of your customers, whether they're custom clients or just the regular buying a card sort of client.
1: Oh, I mean we're not reinventing the wheel over here. It's totally, <laughs> in my opinion, common sense. But I find that people don't treat people how they want to be treated, and it really just blows my mind because I, I mean, people spend their hard-earned money on you know, whatever they might be buying. And if you're buying something off Etsy or something handmade from a small business, you're probably spending more money because, you know, it's not from a big store. And I can't even tell you how many times I don't get a thank you or... Just small, little things like that just drives me crazy. If you can't Mm -hmm. excited about your business and have passion when a customer contacts you to make an order, it's kind of like, well, what are you doing in this business? You should go find something that you're more passionate about. Mm -hmm. But in general, I like to greet my customers by their first name and thank them for showing interest in my shop make sure that they know I'm always here if they ever need anything I'll send birthday cards and wedding anniversary cards to some of my top clients a lot of my top clients have been with me since the very beginning and I've grown up with their families and their children and I do their birthday parties and their Christmas cards and all that stuff every year so while most of them I don't actually know them i feel like i know them and Mm -hmm. i'll you know spend a certain amount of money each year to buy those particular clients a gift around the holidays and it's not even about you know buying people gifts it's just keeping them up to date with communication on their order and just thanking them for their purchase i don't know how many times i go to a big box store or a little box store and after checking out, I feel that I'm thanking the person that I bought the item from for their time <laughs> when they should be thanking me for making the purchase. Like, how backwards is that? It drives me totally bananas. Um, I don't know if maybe people in America are just rude and everyone on <laughs> totally lovely and you don't have this problem.
0: Well, I mean, I, I actually totally agree with you on this point because, uh, you know, I buy a lot of stuff. From Etsy and elsewhere. And as as a as a seller, I had a big revolution. Like I'd all from the very beginning, whenever somebody would buy something from me, I would send them a personal message. You know, not just the auto thing, but I would send them a thank you so much, you know, for, for choosing to shop with me. Kind of a short message. And then a few years in, I read a book that um, it was by Bernadette Jua. I think it's the fortune cookie principle. I've mentioned it before on the podcast. But she talks about the importance of telling your story to to kind of make an emotional connection with your customers. So I totally rewrote that message and it's like nowadays it's like three or four paragraphs long. Now, everybody listening, you don't have to do this, but I'm just telling you how powerful it's been Um, because I go into talking about, um, you know, my story, my life a little bit, you know, it's made a huge difference because beforehand the amount of people who would reply were maybe one out of ten would reply, but now it's, at least 60%, I would say, actually reply to that and say, oh, it's so lovely to be, you know, supporting a small business and blah, blah, blah. And we actually start a conversation. And I think that's really lovely because, I mean, most of, honestly, most of my customers are one-off customers because we do pretty much only wedding rings as our main, um, So 80 90% of our business is wedding rings. So most of those people, uh, generally speaking, are not going to shop with us again for another wedding ring. Uh, but... Some of them do. Some of them lose it and come back. Some of them. I just had a message today, actually, from someone who bought their ring from us six years ago, and she's like, "Life's changed a little bit. Uh, I've had a few babies. I, I need a slightly bigger ring now, and I want to buy another one from you because I don't want to disturb my old one. I want to keep it." And yeah, Perfect. so you never know. And not only that, I don't care if they never come and shop with me again. I want them to have a good experience. I want them to feel especially around such an important piece of jewelry I want them to feel like yeah there's some there's love and care going into this and uh you know there's that 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 give and take of of a of a relationship and and, and, you know so much of our transactional relationships are just that transactional and when you shop at a big box store or whatever you don't really think about it but I think that's what's special about working with handmade or you know one-on-one is you can have that feeling and I think Fostering it can be so easy on the part of a seller is just sending that quick message, that quick thank you. And absolutely, Kat, so many people I've shopped with just never do. And I'm like, You're missing a big trick here. Oh. You really are.
1: Absolutely. And it's just it's just sad that customer service is kind of this dying trend. And, you know, it's about creating an experience that is unique to your business. And like you said, of sharing your story that is unique to your business. That's important. Mm. That's how you get people to connect with you. And I'm not saying that you waste all of your business time, you know, trying to make these connections. But if you didn't want, if you just wanted a quick transaction, then you would just go to Amazon, get what you want, and you know, be on with your day. But, you know, exactly, you can make this a simple system for your business. You can have a script within your Etsy shop that where you can just boom have something already typed out and that's what you send to your customer you know you can personalize it for the item and always use their name so it doesn't need to be this long drawn out process just to make these quick changes for a positive customer service
0: experience absolutely and yeah using a snippet or you know that's what i do copy paste the main message and then personalize it as you said Uh, And then, yeah, it's really, it's not that hard. It doesn't take a lot of time. I mean, you've got to log in and get your, (laughs) get your, write down your orders already. So you might as well do it while you're there. And um, I think that's, you know, that's a really positive thing. But there's also something I think that those of us like you and me who've been in business for a long time learn, and that is sometimes you have to say no. Oh, for sure. You need to say no. You should say no. So what, what are the sort of what are some of the experiences you've had around that and the lessons you've learned about you know the old adage is the customer is always right they're not actually always right 100% of the time but you have to make them feel good uh, and leave them with a good feeling while also sticking to your guns and your policies at the end of the day
1: oh absolutely uh let's see I think the first time I didn't get five-star review on Etsy. I got a three-star and it was because I had upset the customer and I probably had a good cry for a couple days but Mm -hmm. I picked myself up and learning experience but she was upset that I had put my logo on the back of her invitations and I mean I just started out. I didn't have any idea that that was like a bad thing and maybe I didn't put it in my shop policies but okay, you know, this is when I actually more handmade the invitations, so I wasn't going to remake them. Mm -hmm. And she didn't ask me to either. But yeah, she left me not the best review. And okay, moving forward, I either didn't do that for certain types of invitations, or I made it clear that, you know, in my shop policies, that that's something I do. But I mean I've had situations where I had to break up with customers and I don't ever want anything to get ugly but you know it did happen actually a couple months ago where tell my customers okay I'm creating this custom invitation for you and it is your responsibility to proofread it because mm. I, I'll take responsibility as well if there's a mistake but you know these are it's your event, you know what day it's on, you know where it is, and this woman just did not even take the time to proofread the invitation before she gave me final approval, and then I actually mailed them out individually to all of her guests, and when her her guests got them, there was information that was wrong, so we created an update where she could send out to her guests via email. And then she came back and said that there was more stuff wrong.
0: Oh my goodness. I
1: was so frustrated because we did that about three times. And one of the misspellings was her child's name. It was a rush order to begin with. But again, I should have looked at the information more clearly, even though she was giving me snippets of this and that, which was again, my fault because I should have created better customer-client boundaries, and I did not. I was just trying to help a customer who needed something last minute, and so shame on me, but shame on her for not actually taking the time to look over something, and then it just ends up being wrong and takes up, you know, her time and my time, and we're both frustrated, and I mean, she was getting mad at me, but I was like, hey, this is a two-way street, and... I'm going to refund you half your money for the order, but I think moving forward, it's best that we don't work together anymore. Yeah. And that was yeah. that. was that. So unfortunately, that's not how I want any situation to go, but sometimes you've been in this game for a while, you know what kind of clients you want to deal with, and some people, they're just not worth the negative energy, and you just mm. kind of politely part ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we, I think all of us, I mean, I've certainly had situations like that and I think all of us who've been in business for a long time will have those difficult clients. Uh, and, you know, I, I've had people who've said, oh, well, this person's bought from me before and they're an absolute nightmare. Now they've ordered something else. You can you can cancel it. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, like, honestly, in, in your gut, if you know it's going to be problematic. Um, and I've actually had this experience numerous times where, Someone's kind of contacted you before, and they've actually placed an order, and you get this feeling like, "Oh, this is going to be this is going to be problematic." Oh, and nine fire. times out of ten, awful. <laughs> nine times out of ten, it is. Uh, so it's important to to kind of realize that and realize you can fire fire a client or fire a customer if they're not a good fit for you, or you don't think that you can serve them in the way they want to be served. Uh, which is, you know, sometimes does happen. Oh, so. You have to take care. You have to take care of your mental health, and you have to take care of your business, and um, your business's reputation as well. Because there, there are people out there in the world who just won't be happy no matter how much you bend over backwards for them. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's it can be a really confronting and stressful experience when that does happen, uh, because you feel like, what have I done wrong? You know, what could I have done differently? Uh, and and you second guess yourself, and sometimes you have made a mistake. I mean, I've certainly made mistakes, and then you have to own it and go, "I'm sorry, apologize, do everything you can to make it better," and then just learn from it and, and shake it off and, and move on while imp- implementing the lessons you've learnt. Uh, so you know that that is all a learning experience, and it can be stressful, but I think. It's also a way to strengthen your uh, policies and strengthen the way that you approach things and become more confident in what's okay and what's not okay.
1: Yes, I agree. And unfortunately, you don't know some of these things until you figure it out the hard way. And I think the more that you do it, the easier you're able to just brush off a not-so-great experience and just move on with life.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That first bad, (laughs) bad (laughs) review on it. Oh man, that's a killer. It really is. But over time it will be swamped by all the good ones. That's what you have to remember at the end of the day.
1: Over a thousand awesome reviews. So
0: (laughs) that's a great feeling. So I'm curious as to what uh, a regular day looks like for you, or maybe a regular week. Some people kind of have a daily routine. Other people have a weekly or even longer routine. So what does that look like in your world?
1: oh well do you want the real version or do you want the uh <laughs> i have all my stuff together i'm faking it till i make it
0: <laughs> let's let's go with the real version i think that's more instructive
1: <laughs> oh, it's pretty chaotic and it's definitely not the norm my husband has been off work for this past year when my second daughter Bo was born his job moves us all over the place. We've moved four Mm -hmm. times in the past six years. We kind of said no more moves when they wanted us to move again last October. So he took a a nice severance package and he's been kind of the primary caretaker for the girls this past year while I've been working a lot in my business. And Mm -hmm. now he's back at work and we are moving in two weeks from Seattle to the Chicagoland area. And, you know, my daughter, who used to sleep through the night, is not sleeping through the night. And the other one wakes up, like, super early because now she's not in a crib. She's in her big girl bed. And I used to wake up super early in the morning, get a couple hours of peaceful, child-free work in. And that is a thing of the past these days. Um, But they are excellent at taking naps. So I... two to three hour chunk of time and we do have an excellent nanny who comes once a week on Tuesdays to help with me so I can have an all work day but at this point in my life I'm just getting it in any way mm-hmm. I can and sometimes I feel like a horrible mother because I have so much stuff to do and I'm trying to do both that I don't always feel like I'm being very good at being a businesswoman or being a mom. But as soon as we move, my oldest daughter is going to preschool, and then we're getting another full time babysitter, and we'll be closer to family, which is the whole point of the move. Right. So I'm just trying to get through these next couple of weeks of total chaos, and <laughs> I'm hoping to really narrow in on what a specific schedule is. I have an awesome virtual assistant. Jacqueline from the secretary studio. She pretty much manages my Etsy shop and I could not do life without her. It took a while to find this unicorn of the VA. (laughs) So, so great. So I I get through the days a lot by, um, yeah, her help. And I feel like that part of my business is kind of like a passive income. I don't you too much at this point i have my systems in place and she follows them and she's awesome and boom
0: yeah i love that you sort of talked about the help and that the other people around you know i think there's this strange idea that we can somehow do all this by ourselves and we really can't no yeah. uh you no know, especially yeah. when you have children and things like that you know you you need help and uh, you need support. So it sounds like you've got a great support system there, which is awesome. And I also love that you're honest about the fact that there are times when everything's going lovely and smoothly and wonderful. And then there are times where everything's chaos and you just have to get by. <laughs> and I think that's a really important thing to realize as well. Like things aren't going to be perfect and smooth all of the time, but that's okay. It's just life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like to keep it real and. I think most of us, if we said that we had it all together, we'd be big liars. I don't
0: know. Maybe. <laughs> who well, I hang out with. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. I think, you know, th- there's you know, I have pretty good systems and stuff in place, but I don't know, you know, it doesn't always work. Sometimes there's just a the day where I'm like, you know what? I just don't want to do that today or <laughs> something happens and you need to do something else. And, and that's you owning your own business. You can do whatever the heck you want for the most. Exactly. And that's what that's part of the joy of it. And that's one of the things I love about it is that freedom to just roll with it. So You've been obviously been in business for quite a long time and it's been growing and doing well. How do you get the word out most effectively about your business? What's kind of your marketing strategy that's working for you?
1: Oh, I'm not sure. I feel like Instagram, you know, I do it because... I, in my mind, I have to, but I have this love-hate relationship with Instagram. <laughs> um, I've been trying to go more of the PR route, whether it's pitching my products to different magazines or, you know, just even throwing my name in the hat for a podcast like I did with you and just trying to kind of think outside of the box of your typical Instagram post, Facebook post getting more creative than that.
0: But where do you, where would you say most of your traffic ends up coming from, say on Etsy, for example, do you, do you find that um, people are finding you through search or are they coming directly or from Pinterest or somewhere else? So
1: I do do a lot of Pinterest. I pretty much sell the same items in my kidding me out website as I do my Etsy shop and I have them both, you know, on Pinterest but I do get a lot of hits from Pinterest because I have a lot of products. I have a lot of pictures. So I have a lot of things to pin and try to do all the different group boards and have my own boards. Um, I would say that a lot of my traffic does come from Etsy. So as much as I would love my personal website to be my huge moneymaker, you know, it's not at this point. A lot mm-hmm. of my business comes from Etsy. So I'm not going to give my Etsy shop up anytime soon.
0: Yeah. I'm exactly the same. My Etsy shop is incredibly powerful and um, I'm very grateful for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, uh, don't mess with the good thing. And I think it's good to have different avenues of income coming in. So whatever, whatever works, there's not really a right or wrong answer.
0: Oh, I totally agree with that. It's, it is whatever works. And, um, you know, getting your stuff, especially when you do have reproducible products, getting your stuff out there in as many places as you can comfortably, comfortably manage is very, very helpful. Uh, because obviously that gives you more opportunity to be found by different people.
1: Yes. And I have been focusing more on my wholesale line. I have my catalog where I reach out to retailers and send them samples and, moving forward I really want to push my wholesale line and see where that goes so that's kind of my marketing strategy for 2019.
0: Awesome so speaking of moving forward do you have an idea of kind of where you want your business to be in say three to five years or is it just sort of see where it takes you?
1: Oh no I want to be huge I want to be big. (laughs) Um, Excellent. I have big dreams I would love to see all my Kidding Out items in stores all over the world. Um, right now, I have cards and pencils, but you know, I, I want to add other items that connect with what my brand message is. And I'm really passionate about empowering other creative women who are in this small business field and I'd love to get into the speaking and education side of it all. And that's kind of where I'm at now is navigating the best way to do that. So doing podcasts and, you know, talking with other powerful women such as yourself, that's just where I want to be. I don't feel like I have all the answers, but I feel like I have some of the answers and can inspire other women to pursue whatever their dreams might be. And I think that it's important that you do the things that make you happy. You don't look back at life and say, "Eh, I tried it for five minutes and it didn't work. (laughs) You just try something for a little bit and it doesn't work. I mean, I've been trying this for a long time and I'm still not where I want to be, but it's, it's a constant process and struggle and you just got to keep at it. And I'd like to help other women get there.
0: You do have to keep at it. And speaking of that, what is a big piece of advice that you would want other creative entrepreneurs to know? Um,
1: That you just have to keep at it. I mean, just having a great product is not, it's not enough. I mean, you still need to wear all these other hats to let other people see your great product and put yourself out there and, if you don't put yourself out there, or even though it sounds totally scary and you think what if the whole world's judging me or what if no one cares, you know, if you care, that's, that should be enough. Because if you care, other people are going to feel that passion that you have for the things that you do, even if it's something as silly as a greeting card or a funny saying on a kidding out pencil, I mean... <laughs> of the things, if that's what lights you up to get out of bed in the morning that's the things you should share with the world
0: absolutely I totally agree and before we finish do you have I like to ask my guests do you have a quote to share with us that inspires you or motivates you okay it's really long do we have time we absolutely have time
1: okay I'm going to try to say it in a way that it doesn't make it seem like okay just be done with your quote already <laughs> <laughs> but I read this on a poster when I just graduated from college and I was working one of my first design jobs. And it's an expert from Ira Glass. It's about the creative process. So here it goes. Awesome. Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there is this gap. For the first couple of years, you make stuff, it's just not that good. It's trying to be good, it has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer, and your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase, they quit. Most people I know who do interesting, creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have the special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you're just starting out or you're still in this phase, you got to know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while, but you just got to fight your way through the end. But this resonates with me because I felt like in the beginning of my design career, I was a really awful designer. And <laughs> I knew that I sucked, but I mean, I'm just like, what am I doing wrong? But the only thing that helped me get through it was to design more. And now I feel like I'm pretty dang good.
0: That's awesome. I love that quote so much. I've, I've heard or read that a few times over the years and it's so important if you've never heard that before. I hope it sent shivers down your spine like it did for me because, yeah, that gap, that gap between you, what you can do and what you know you can do, <laughs> yeah, is it narrows. And the more work you do, the closer those two things come and uh, one day you'll get there and it's a wonderful feeling. Agreed. <laughs> So Kat, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us all today on the podcast. Where can people find your sweet and witty designs?
1: Oh, they can find them at kittymeowboutique.com, or you can follow along with me on Instagram at kittyyowboutique.
0: Lovely. Thank you so much for spending this time. I really appreciate it. Oh,
1: thank you, Jess. I've had so much fun.
0: Hey, if you enjoyed that episode, I'd love to hear about it. Take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories with a couple of words about your biggest takeaway from this episode. What's the thing that sticks in your mind as something useful that you learned from this interview today? And make sure to tag me at create and thrive because I would love to hear what your biggest takeaway was. And I'd love to reshare it on my stories to all of my followers as well. And uh, of course, if you're following me on Instagram already, you probably know that I am currently somewhere in Canada (laughs) enjoying my holiday with uh, my husband, Nick, and a couple of friends that we're traveling with. And of course we're visiting family. Nick's brother, his partner and their kids live in Canada and we haven't actually, well as of you listening to this we have, but as I record this we haven't actually met our niece and nephew yet so that's going to be a fun part of the holiday as well, getting to know a few new members of our family. So Please do come on over, say hi on Instagram, share this on your stories. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to listen to me and listen to the stories of the people that I bring on the show. I really love bringing these stories to you. And, you know, I learn something every single time I interview someone. There's always a gem of wisdom that people have, usually many gems of wisdom that people have from their own business journeys. And I think learning from other people is the best way to uh, avoid those pitfalls and learn what works. So remember to go get a hold of that 25 essential tips, downloadable ebook for free, head on over to createandthrive.com, click on start here, and you can get access to that right now i'm jess van den this has been another episode of the create and thrive podcast and i'll be back again as always next week with a new episode until then bye for now